Magandang araw kabayan, welcome to Today with Tata Eko. Samahan niyo ako sa ilang minutong balitaktakan at pakikipanayam sa mga katulad nating migrante mula sa iba't ibang panig ng mundo. Samahan niyo akong hanapin ang mabuti sa isang mundong balot ng pag-aalinlangan at hamon ng buhay sa pamamagitan ng paglalahad ng mga karanasan ng mga kapwa natin OFWs. There is goodness in this world that needs to be unraveled and we just need to look at the right places. Join us as we meet regular people like you and me who are trying to find their place in this world and see goodness beyond the challenges of daily life as migrant workers scattered all over the globe. Ako si Tatay Eko at ito ang Today with Tatay Eko. Magandang araw mga kabayan and let's meet our guest for today. She is formerly an English lecturer at the Premier College in Oman for four years and has been a teacher for more than 30 years. Friends, please help me to welcome Dr. Amada Banag. Hi, Mom. Thank you. Yes, hello. Hi, everyone. Magandang araw po and thank you for saying yes to this interview. Of course, how can I say no? <laughs> you okay. So maybe let's go dive into the questions immediately. Paano po kayo naging OFW and what pushed you to seek opportunities overseas? Okay, paano ba ako naging OFW? Actually, at the beginning, I don't like to go anywhere. I'm very much um, satisfied with my work in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine really, parang pinilit niya ako na, let's go and try. And so... To cut the story short, I uh, underwent some kind of interviews. I passed the interview. I processed my papers. And for all I know, I was able to go to Oman as an English lecturer in one of the private colleges there. So, ganun ang nangyari. Ang bilis mo nga. Ganun po katagal yung proseso nyo ng pagiging, yung pagpaprocess ng everything before you actually flew to Oman. I think because my friend, who was my uh, former colleague also, uh, she went ahead of me by one semester. And during her application, um, that was, I think, November 2015, I started applying. And then by April 2016, I was able to go. So quite short period of time. So... Yeah, Describe your first year overseas as a migrant. Because sobrang iba po yun eh. You've been teaching in the Philippines for quite some time. And then suddenly you're teaching overseas. How was it different uh-huh. after four years down the road? So when I um, left the Philippines to teach, I braced myself. I did some uh, debriefing, you know. Because I know that the environment would be very different. And I also thank uh, some of my friends who were there ahead of me. And they warned me not to do the teaching I was doing in the Philippines or else I wouldn't be understood. And quite so, they were very right because I cannot impose uh, the way I teach in the Philippines. I really had a, a very big culture shock. What's the term for the millennial? Shocked me oh my. There on my arrival. I was really shocked culturally how they handle things, that uh, they do things very differently, specifically that they are, you know, a Muslim country. Mm. So how did you adjust to the cultural differences, Bo? 
Well, with the help of my friends who were there ahead of me, they really gave me some kind of orientation. And uh, even the students, they, they were really, uh, some of them really were very accommodating. But my first, let's say, my first semester was very tough because, you know, the students were very uh, resistant of their new uh, lecturer. They didn't know me and they thought that I was very, you know, very strict and all that. And they don't like that. So they were very apprehensive. I was very apprehensive. And so uh, somewhere along the way, we did clash. But uh, mm -hmm. thanks to my friends and uh, to my mentors, uh, I, I was able to adjust eventually. Do you think, mom, you needed to get out of the country to grow more as a person and as an individual? Actually, when I went to the Middle East, uh, I told my children, this time I, I want to experience something new. I was not really expecting some kind of professional growth because mm -hmm. I would say that I have attained the peak of my professional growth in the Philippines mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in many aspects. So I was just, you know, I went there for another kind of experience, you know, and maybe also to, well, of course, for the salary. Mm -mm. Just that. But professionally, I am not really expecting that I would grow that much. Was there anything that you experienced beyond the expectations that you were setting for the experience? <laughs> well, I, as I was also telling my children, uh, working as a lecturer in the Middle East, particularly in Amman, is not really tough. It's not a hard work. The hard part is the the emotional adjustment you know mm -hmm. you have to deal with different kinds of people like uh, I have Indian colleagues Tunisian colleagues and these people they have different very different uh, uh, perspectives from our perspective let's really admit that our more pro-American they are anti-American so you know there are clashes of interest. There are clashes of beliefs. So that's the more, uh, it's the harder part, really, the emotional adjustment. But the work itself, it's very easy. Wow, okay. Yeah. Now, what did your average day look like in Oman? And what did you consider a good day? Uh, usually our classes start at nine in the morning and um, usually I am given a, a schedule or they call it timetable which starts at nine and unfortunately ends up at 8.30 in the evening. But wow. there are a lot of uh, vacant periods. So let's say I have class nine to 11 and my next class is five o'clock in the afternoon. So wow. you see a very big gap in between. But I cannot go out of the campus because the transportation is not readily available. Uh, we go to the college by, um, by a private car, which we, we, we pay. In Oman, I am not used to using public transportation anymore. We're always going by car. We just pay. See? So my average day would start, like I, I would be waking up at... Um, 
uh, around 7 o'clock and then prepare myself, 9 o'clock go to the college and then I would be in, in the college until 8.30 in the evening. Uh, I would have my dinner maybe 9 o'clock and uh, that goes every day until Thursday because the classes would be from uh, Sunday to Thursday and then Friday and Saturday, that's the weekend. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the routine. Wow. What did you do in between during those hours that you had breaks? Okay. We, uh, all faculty members, we have our own office. Actually, that's a good thing that we had in uh, there. We have our own office. We have our own PC. So we do a lot of paperwork for me. I was able to do some researches and published it in mm-hmm. international publications nice. when I was there. So I was able to, so between the gaps, I was able to read, to write. Actually, I, I, I had many notes, which I don't know what to do yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I know that there are some editors that need to be printing services, but something. Yes, yes. Okay. But that's yeah, something. Why not? Yes. That's something. Yeah. Okay. Let's edit that out. Okay. <laughs> Ma'am, <laughs> sa yes. sa mga ganong panahon, meron po kayong mga uh, bakanting oras when you have mm-hmm. things in your mind. Saan po o kanino po kayo humuhugot ng lakas? Of course, uh, during the times that uh, I have my my days which are not really good days, many times really, I, I turn into prayer and I turn into worship singing and actually that little room, my office, it has been filled with my worship songs and my whispers to God. I did some crying there a lot, yeah, and that's how I, and that's why I usually close my door and mm-hmm. I, I just have my quiet time inside my office. And of course, I, I, I got my, my strength, my inspiration from God and from my family, from my children. Yes. Doon po sa apat na taon that you spent in Oman, ano po yung pinakamalaking challenge na kinaharap nyo? Bilang isang migrante at isang professional. Uh, well, uh, the biggest challenge in the beginning was that I think I know something that I can be of help. Uh, I could be of help in the college, but they are not willing to listen. Uh, I feel that uh, they have this um, superiority complex that uh, they know things, especially they are undergoing accreditation. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't listen to us. And to my mind, it's always in my mind, I would say, hey, I was an accreditor in the Philippines. I made my college accredited. Hello, why wouldn't you listen to me? And for me, that's uh, a big challenge, you know. I really felt I was like stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started not to, to give my ideas anymore because anyway, they're not listening. You know, I, I felt that uh, even though I, I, I um, talk sensible things, they wouldn't listen. So I ended up just listening. And for me, that's a big challenge, not to be able to contribute anything. So during those times, what kept you doing what you needed to do? Well, uh, there were my friends uh, who always uh, cheer me up and they always tell me that anyway, 
it's just fine if you don't if they don't like to listen let them be let them do their thing on their own so i just uh, kept it that way and i just tried to focus on some other things that uh, would make my life a little bit easier and livelier and <laughs> jollier yeah yes. after four years for overseas what lessons mm-hmm. have you learned along the way okay after four years in the middle east i learned that we really need to be strong uh, going abroad is really for the brave heart if you don't have a brave heart don't go abroad mm-hmm. if you are not emotionally prepared don't go there and of course you need to be flexible because if you really insist on yourself it will always end up in clashing with people because really you cannot make people stand with you in all issues just be flexible play with the game dance with the music that's what i learned i really don't think so um that's why my mga migrant workers now they end up really disappointed even they end up dying abroad because they are not prepared. If somebody goes abroad, he or she must really be prepared emotionally, physically, everything. At sabi ko, if you don't have the brave heart, it's gonna be a disaster. What would you like to share to people uh, about Oman if they want to consider it as a destination to migrate both personally and professionally? Well, Oman really is a very nice place. I would say that it's a very peaceful country, peace-loving as it is a very neutral sultanate. And um, the four years that I have been there, I can roam around even at the middle of the night without uh, being scared of anything. If you leave your thing somewhere and then you go back, you will still find it there. So it's a very safe, I would say it's a very safe place to be, even for work. I'll bet that uh, these times there's an ongoing humanization. That's why many Filipino workers like me, we lost our job because uh, they Mm -hmm. want the Omani people to take our job. Mm -hmm. But if not for that, I said I could still stay until maybe until I retire in Oman. It's very peaceful. The people are warm, friendly. So it's a nice place to live. It's a nice place to work. Mom, what would you advise to people who say na ready na silang maging OFWs? Uh, well, I can say that if these people are really considering to work as OFWs, as I was telling a while ago, they must really have a brave heart. They must really be flexible and they must be ready to face uh, circumstances that are beyond their expectation. Because there are a lot of things that happen abroad, uh, which you really would not expect for it to be happening. So they must really be prepared emotionally, physically, and well, with the skills that they have, they must also be prepared. Maraming salamat po for, for being our guest for today and for closing season two. Grabe, maraming pong salamat. Welcome very much. Welcome. It's Marami. my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Maraming pong salamat and we hope that uh, you will stay safe especially since meron pa rin po tayong pandemia na nangyayari. Yes, yes, yes. Stay safe too. 
Stay safe po. Maraming pong salamat. Yes, welcome. Maraming salamat sa ating guest, Dr. Amada Banag. We look forward to your continued contribution to the world of books across the globe. Bago po tayo magtapos, let me share with you a quote from the book, The Ethan I Was Before. Sometimes a story is all you have, and sometimes that can be enough. Muli po ito si Tatay Eko na nagsasabing, Remember, you can't change the day, but you can change your attitude towards it, so be someone's reason to smile today. This is Today with Tatay Eko.